0: Hi all, Thomas here. I wanted to provide a quick content warning up front, as today's episode talks about anxiety and trauma. I am not a mental health professional, and though my guest today is, we are talking specifically about her experience and do not speak for the experience of everyone. If you are experiencing anxiety, I highly encourage you to speak with your doctor and seek out mental health services. If you need help finding services, I'm happy to help you find some in your area or remotely please email me at yourblisspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, and enjoy the episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to What's Your Bliss. My name is Thomas Ragland and I am so excited to come to you again this week. We have had some awesome feedback on our inaugural episode uh, Cooking with Ezra and I'm really excited to continue to bring this to you weekly. Today's episode is a little bit different than last week's Um, the topic is um, a bit more sensitive I think Um, it is you probably heard the disclaimer at the top discussing um, you know just some content warning about what we're talking about today but we're going to be talking about anxiety and how to cope with anxiety Um, here to help us do that is my lovely wife uh, Tiffany Kerr Tiffany hello and welcome
1: hi speaking of anxiety i'm very anxious to be doing this right now
0: what is causing the the current anxiety
1: talking about my anxiety because it's super personal and not something i really share with lots of people
0: yeah well I'm extremely appreciative that you have decided to do that with us today. Um, I know that it is not going to necessarily be easy, and I'm going to ask questions that are potentially invasive, so I apologize for that uh, in advance. Really just trying to learn more about what your anxiety has meant for you and what strategies you have used to now make it a bliss when you are able to actually cope with it. I think that is what we're talking about here. We're talking about, again, the podcast is What's Your Bliss? (laughs) Um, So we're talking about the blissful parts of being able to cope with that, and potentially any bliss that came from having answers to what probably was scary, concerning, confusing, nerve-wracking for a while. I hope I'm on the right track. So... I I generally will ask guests to share their uh, bliss themselves. However, because we did put the disclaimer at the top, I thought I'd just go ahead and get it out, out of the way. But I want to start with you and for your own anxiety. We'll start with anxiety in general, and we'll talk later about coping strategies and how you've found bliss and being able to manage that. But I'm curious, what is your personal history with Um, anxiety, and we're talking here about specifically um, an anxiety diagnosis, we're not talking feeling anxious, and we can talk a little bit about the difference between that as we move forward, but your personal history with being diagnosed uh, with anxiety, but also the first time you remember noticing feeling a little different in that way, what that looks like, um, and then also when you actually had that diagnosis.
1: Um, I think I was first diagnosed as a kid. Um, I went to therapy, um, as a child when I started, um, reconnecting with my father. Um, I don't remember specifically what brought me to, um, therapy or doing those things. Um, cause, you know, trauma, <laughs> So, you know, that, that part of my uh, memory, I don't really recall that, but, um, you know, so that was, you know, kind of my, like, intro in there, feeling anxious about, um, you know, building that relationship. I didn't meet my father until I was eight, um, so that was, you know, a new thing, and um, about the time that I met my dad, um, my mom was also getting a divorce, from my stepdad, so I had some like really major um, family changes um, going on there, and like within two years, like my dad also got like divorced and remarried. So there was a lot um, kind of going on. But you know, I think the first really like recollection that I have of like knowing that I was different is like people just do things like they think about doing things and then they just do them um and they don't at least from what i saw didn't have this like internalized like thought process of how do i do this and what is this going to look like and what are other people going to think about me doing this or like what if i do this wrong and like this complete like process that they have to go through like i just remember you know my my friends like really putting themselves out there and I thought that that was like that's their personality they're just really outgoing but you know as I have like gone through um, different aspects of my life I've realized like I think part of that is true but I'm also a very outgoing person like if you try to you know categorize people as like an extrovert or an introvert like I think you would really categorize me as an extrovert like I like people and I'll talk to them Um, but as far as like putting myself out there and just like doing things like that's really difficult for me because I have that whole process that I talked about of how do I do that and what does that look like and how do I make that happen and what are people going to think about this thing? Even if I genuinely don't care about other people's opinion, Mm -hmm. like I still have that thought process. Like, what does this look like? to other people and what is the interpretation that other people might have and are they seeing me the way that I want to be seen or that this is actually happening and then in talking with other people I realized that like other people don't have that thought process it's kind of a like you know I want to go dancing so we're gonna go dancing and it's like fun and it's not this whole like long drawn out thought process
0: let's stay with that example for a second what would that look like if you were looking to go dancing like what type of thoughts might enter your mind that maybe you don't feel like others are maybe having to jump over a a hurdle
1: um well you know like part of it would be um you know just leading up to it right like where are we going um, and what kind of establishment are we going to where there's dancing? What kind of dancing is expected, right? Are we going to, like, I'm going to super date myself here. Are we, like, going to the Rose, right? And there's, like, country dancing and line dancing, and I'm super uncoordinated. So, like, having to do some type of, like, choreographed um, dance and, like, what is that, um, like look like if I don't know how to do the dance or like people going to be frustrated because I'm going left when I'm supposed to be going right and I bump into somebody um or if we're going somewhere where it's like more of a free you know kind of free thing and we're dancing to you know like pop or hip-hop like what is everybody else doing or is this like a group thing do I know people enough like are we gonna touch each other is that cool Um, And then also, like, I don't know, are these the right moves? Are these moves other people are doing? Do I just look like a total idiot out here? And I think everybody has that a little bit, um, but it's almost to the point to where, like, even if that's something that I want to do, like, it's not enjoyable because I'm not just dancing. I'm thinking about, right, all of these other and is usually why, like, alcohol gets involved in those things when I go dancing, because it turns off that inner, like, I won't say monologue, because I don't have an inner monologue, but that inner thought process of, what is this?
0: Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. I'm curious, because it sounds like there are several avenues that y- you mentioned, when you're thinking of dancing, that there's... Um, You know, potentially doing things wrong, bumping into people, um, potentially looking foolish. Um, there's, There's kind of several pieces there. Does it always feel, I don't mean this to be a leading question, does it feel worst case scenario all the time or is it pathways to bad scenarios? And on top of that... Are there good avenues that you could find? So, is it, for instance, um, I could look foolish. I could look awesome. Is it, or is it always more on the negative side?
1: Oh no, it's always worst case scenario. Um, and you know, like I've I've talked about this, and I, you know, I've done a lot of. We'll probably talk about this later. Like I've done a lot of like research on anxiety, not just for like my own, um, stuff, but I also talk about mental health a lot because I am a counselor and I talk, you know, I talk to kids about, um, different mental health things. And so, um, you know, my brain really takes into that whole like protective factor. So we go worst case scenario because like, it doesn't matter if it's a good thing. I don't need to worry about a good thing. Um, but my, my brain always goes to like, what is the worst possible thing that could happen so that I'm prepared Um, so that I can deal with that and it's not like a big scary thing Um, because again like trauma
0: yeah you mentioned um, the kind of the origins um, as a superhero your origin story I suppose the origins of where you think your anxiety started or at least your first recollection of it your father coming back into your life some trauma with your own living situation because of your mother getting a divorce. You mentioned going to therapy at that time. Um, Did you all talk specifically about anxiety or was it, you know, you're eight years old, you may not have necessarily the verbiage to know that, oh, I'm, I'm feeling anxiety, right? That's not, and we're also talking, you know, early to mid nineties, So, we didn't know as much as we know about mental health, and there was, I mean, there's still stigma, but there is, there was certainly more stigma then, and also stigma around children and and mental health. So, I'm curious if you can recall, and I understand, as you mentioned, trauma. So, if you can't, that's okay, but I'm curious if, like, what what did that conversation look like? Was that something that was brought up at the time, or... How, yeah, how did that come into play?
1: Um, I think it was really, like, we more just talked about, like, family transition, right? And, like, things being different. We ha- I had a lot of changes in a really, you know, short time. I went from, um, you know, living with my mother and my brothers and my stepdad to, um, you know, living with just mom and my brothers. And that was, you know, like, sometimes we lived with, grandma and grandpa sometimes we lived on our own and then I started seeing my dad who was married at the time and so that was a whole new situation um and then my dad got divorced and then it was you know a change of just like me and him and then um you know my dad got remarried and my stepmom um had a daughter my sister um and she's great and then they like also got pregnant and there was another like Baby, And so within this like three year span, there were just all of these different like changing dynamics in um, my life. So I think that was really our focus. Um, I actually didn't know until later because I've had the same insurance for a long time that like I've had a diagnosis of anxiety for a long time. Like I thought it had happened um, later when I went to college and like was seeing someone for a while. But I realized like it's been on the books for like, a, a while. Like, I've known that I've had it, and we've talked about it, but I didn't realize that, like, that was a thing.
0: So it was diagnosed during that time period? I think so. Okay. Okay. And we'll talk you uh, your specific diagnosis, if you don't mind sharing.
1: So I have general anxiety, is what um, I had had before. And then um, I also have postpartum anxiety, which is a different manifestation um, of that, which is super fun. Um, so for anybody who doesn't have it or hasn't experienced it's a it's an anxiety that is brought on um, post-birth. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is centered on, at least for me, um, around like motherhood and child rearing and those kinds of things. Um, that's not for... Um, everybody, but I, you know, have a more intense version um, of anxiety in that postpartum period.
0: I want to just go back quickly to childhood, and then we'll just jump back into kind of college, and you said you thought that's maybe when the majority of maybe when you were actually formally diagnosed and things like that sounds like that was maybe not the case and that's fine i, I want to talk a little bit more about just kind of your kind of day-to-day experience now um but as a child you know one of the things that you and i have talked about quite a bit especially as someone in yourself that works in mental health with children is again that children don't always have the verbal skills or the vocabulary or the knowledge to say, I have anxiety, or I have anxiety about this, or even I'm feeling anxious, which, again, the, the difference between anxiety and feeling anxious, everyone feels anxious at some times. Anxiety really is, it, we'll, we'll jump into the, the definition um, that the um, National Institute of Mental Health gives, uh, specifically for generalized anxiety disorder, which you mentioned that is yours, Um, people with generalized anxiety disorder display excessive anxiety or worry most days for at least six months about a number of things such as personal health, work, social interactions, and everyday routine life circumstances. So we're talking about fear and anxiety being pretty prevalent.
1: So you're reading that definition and I was just thinking about how Like, that describes, like, my entire, like, existence and thought process. Um, So, it's pretty good.
0: Can you talk a little bit about what symptoms you feel like you have with your anxiety? Um, I have a list here of what the National Institute of Mental Health feels, but I'm curious from your own perspective, like, what symptoms do you generally feel you've talked about kind of overthinking things to the point of discomfort but I'm curious beyond that what are you feeling during those times where it's really prevalent
1: um so you know like I think a lot of people think about like overthinking um things or <clears throat> you know like that thought process that I Um, described, and I I think, you know, when people are feeling um, anxious, and, you know, we've talked about how, like, being anxious versus having anxiety are different, Um, but I think a lot of people can relate to those things, Um, but for me, like, you know, in addition to that, like, it's not just that I have those thoughts, it's that they're, like, invasive, like, I can't, control them it's not like I start thinking about something and then um you know I can turn it off like I can't really turn off that thought process and I can even have the um like realization that what I'm thinking is irrational and that like I know that like nobody cares about what I'm doing on the dance floor like other people are having fun and enjoying themselves and like rationally I know that people are not thinking about me um but that doesn't stop those like thoughts and it can um you know like it can take over things and like make it to where like I just have a really hard time like enjoying things because um, I think a lot of people can relate to specifically like that feeling foolish or like doing things and worried about like that I'm gonna look silly but I think a lot of people are just like I'm gonna do it anyways like fuck it I'm gonna go have a good time um you know but for me like I can't let that thought go um and then you know even if it's not like a specific um like episode of anxiety or like a specific thing if i my you know anxiety is just not being managed um really well because i haven't taken my meds because i'm really terrible about that um i can also get like really irritable um so you know like there being a mess might send me into um you know like feeling like everything is awful and um not being able to you know like manage things that are Um, going around or just, like, being really, like, short and snappy, um, with people.
0: What it sounds like to me that you're describing is just, and I I say just not to be, um, dismissive by any means, but what you're, what you're talking about is really that it, it overwhelms your thinking. It's, it's not just, it's not just pervasive. It is the, it is the only thing that then you can think about.
1: Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, that would be really accurate to talk, to, yeah.
0: So, quickly, I I just want to run through a couple of statistics um, from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. They talk about anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness um, in the United States, um, affecting 40 million adults uh, that are age 18 or older, which is... 18.1% 18.1% of the population every year. Anxiety disorders are treatable, very highly treatable, but only 36.9% of those suffering actually receive treatment. And there's several reasons for that. A lot of it is, again, some stigma. People not wanting to seek out that treatment, people not understanding Um the types of treatment that they may have people not agreeing with the types of treatment people who are not comfortable with medication things like that not comfortable with the therapy that they're being prescribed there's a number of reasons I found this one interesting uh, in my research, and we'll talk about research because research is one of the ways that you find bliss. Um, I, I don't want to uh, bury the lead here, but <laughs> that is something that I know is is something that's important to you. But in my research, it showed that people with an anxiety disorder are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for psychiatric disorders than those who do not suffer. Um, Anxiety disorders develop from a complex set of risk factors, uh, which we've kind of talked about, uh, but a lot of it is kind of a combination of nature and nurture, right? Uh, there is brain chemistry. We know that any type of mental um, uh, health concern is going to have some sort of brain chemistry piece to it. Personality, trauma, all of those things shape this. In generalized anxiety disorders specifically, 6.8 million adults um, or 3.1% of the, of the population, with only about uh, less than half, about 43% of those who are receiving treatment. And this one, which I think is important to our conversation, women are twice as likely to be affected as men. Now, again, that's also partially due to stigma around men's mental health, so that number could be higher. And all of these numbers are probably higher, because that's just the way that all of these types of things work. But I did find it interesting, um, and we know that anxiety in, in general tends to be very common with depression. We're not going to talk really much about depression uh, today, but it is very common. As a matter of fact, when you go in for depression screenings, they're going to give you both. They're going to ask you your depression screening. They're going to ask you your anxiety screening. I love doing the anxiety one because I always score much lower than I do on the depression screening where I score much higher. So for me, um, even though maybe some of that manifests as anxiety it's less so for me. So I always get excited to take the screener on one side, not so much the other. Um, so so just kind of hearing those facts um, and thinking about your own experience. Um, I, I'm just curious for you, we talked about dancing, which you're not doing much of right now, thanks to COVID and babies and <laughs> other things. But how is it, how does it show up in your daily life currently? Does it, do you feel like it affects you daily? Do you feel like it's, I mean, obviously there's some factors that change whether or not that probably impacts, including, you know, your own coping, your own, you mentioned medication, so I'll say it again. So, you know, taking medication, I'm sure all of those play a part in whether or not it shows up or how significant it shows up. But I'm curious, from your perspective, how is it showing up, kind of, in your daily life?
1: Um, well, for me, I think, you know, and we, we've talked about this, a lot of it is that overthinking. Um, I overthink what I wear in the morning. It's, you know, part of it is the, is this professional enough for the day? Um, I've put on weight. or people going to notice that I've put on weight? And obviously people are going to notice that I've put on weight because, you know, we're talking like 30 pounds and I've also had a baby recently. So, yeah, people are going to notice. Um, but it's that, that thought process, right? Like nothing is ever like a fleeting thought for me um, that pops up in my head. Um, I will say for me, I feel a little bit more grounded at work um and i think some of that is because um i have to pee or because i'm dealing with other people's emotions um and you know things like that and in my role it's really hard to like not be like settled and calm and collected when you're the person that like needs to be that so that you can deal with other people's emotions especially like the tiny people um so I actually feel like really relieved at work because I can focus on something else and it's not about me um but you know like I think about um and I think a lot of um parents um can probably relate to this, but, you know, I have the, um, are the kids at the right, like, developmental stage, and are they on track with everyone else, and what do I need to get from the grocery store this week, and what do we not have in the house, and when are the next doctor's appointments that I need to make, and how long has it been since I've been to the dentist, and I really need to go to the dentist, but I hate the dentist, so I'm not gonna go to the dentist, and, like, these are the thoughts that I have all day all the time um and so you know I think that is part of it and trying to find some um relief right for those um for those thoughts and like managing them so that I can just like make them not run through my head all the time so that I can actually like breathe and we talked about right like um One of the things that you mentioned was research. And when we were talking about your podcast and what's your bliss, I... (laughs) So I had this whole, like, anxiety spiral of, like, what is my bliss? I don't think I have one. Um, And usually I go through those, like, well, I don't have one right now because I'm a parent. Um, And I have, you know, four kids, but I have three under three right now. And that takes up a lot of energy. Um, But then you know, I realized like what my bliss is right now is like managing my anxiety. Um, and I had come and told you like, you know, my bliss is like, I like to research things. Like I like to look into stuff. Um, and I think you had even like made the comment, um, cause we were talking about how like, you know, I get like nervous about things or I don't even remember exactly how it came up. Um, when I had talked about, like, how I like to research things and I like to plan things and have, like, some structure and stuff, and I think you had made the comment, right? Like, so your bliss is your anxiety. Um, and that's true. I, you know, really try to find ways to, like, manage that and make it um, something that I can, you know, deal with and function with. And we've talked about, like, medication as part of that, um, that research is part of it, so that I, you know, can kind of take control over those um, feelings of being overwhelmed and, um, that kind of stuff. So.
0: Let's stay on that piece. The bliss part, right? The thing that's bringing you bliss is it's both, it's not just, and, uh, at the risk of, of outing myself as reductive, that was certainly not my intention because i don't think it's just about anxiety itself i think it is about not just i think research in general is something that is very important to you it's something that does bring you happiness it brings you joy to learn to um, experience this is probably the longest stretch you've ever had where you're not in school and you're even doing classes now um, but you're not doing them full-time necessarily Um, but you are always doing classes you're always you know gaining knowledge you're always researching you're always doing those types of things so um my joke may have been may have been a little reductive um in that it was talking about your anxiety but but i think it it brought this conversation to light that a lot of the research that you are doing throughout the day is to combat those feelings of being overwhelmed um would that be an accurate statement
1: yeah i think that's um That's true. I mean, we talked about like I, um, like I impulse buy. I'm an online shopper. I really enjoy that. Um, But I don't buy anything without like doing some kind of like research or we don't go places without me like looking into it, um, whether it's where I'm going to park because parking anxiety is like a really big deal. Is there a parking lot? Am I going to have to park on the street? I don't like parallel parking because it makes me nervous because I feel like people are judging me. Um, Thanks, anxiety. Um, But, you know, I I do that if we're looking at buying a new car because we need a minivan. Because, again, we have three kids under three and they're all in car seats. And good God, car seats take up a lot of space in a vehicle um you know like i will like compare cars and look at you know what are the what are the reviews on things what are the rankings on these things what is this size versus this size and the you know what's the gas mileage and um all of those things and i do that with pretty much everything um in my life whether it's you know looking up things on pinterest or you mentioned like taking classes. Um, you know, I do that for professional development because I need that for, um, my job, but I also really do love learning. Like, that is something that, um, does bring me a lot of joy. Um, my sister made the joke that, um, you know, her boyfriend and I are pretty similar and if we both won the lottery, we would probably just take classes forever and that's true. I've said that before, like if i had unlimited amounts of money like i would just be the most useless educated person on the planet cuz i would just take classes because that is you know super enjoyable for me like i really like to learn things
0: i think what i'm hearing you say is it's it's both it's bringing you enjoyment for what i would imagine is a couple of reasons the first is it's taking your mind off of constantly thinking of those questions constantly thinking of you know because what you're doing is really trying to solve it you're trying to solve the questions that have been percolating all day now i have the means to sit down focus on it and kind of address them as they're coming up so it's it's some of that it's some of this just wanting to be educated wanting to have knowledge wanting to you know, kind of gain all of that. So there is there it's it's a little bit of that. And it's just I I, it just sounds like it's just an enjoyable process for you.
1: Yeah, I think that um is pretty accurate. Like I um I know some of that, right? Like wanting to know things and research things is so I have answers. Two things or when people ask me questions, um, you know, I have an answer. I do kind of feel stuck on that. Like I need to know everything and I need to have an answer for things. Um, part of that is because of, you know, my job. So, um, you know, I'm starting to get more comfortable with like telling people like, I don't have an answer for that. Or like I need to do some more research or, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know exactly what we need to do with that situation. Um, But, you know, that is one of the reasons that I do look into things is so I have that answer and it's a way to um, gain some control because that doesn't feel um, comfortable to not know those things. And in addition to that, I do really enjoy like learning new things and being able to share those things with people or, you know, it takes me down a different rabbit hole of um, information to learn more stuff.
0: Do you find that the majority of your research is proactive? Is it reactive? Is it... I mean, because it sounds like there is a decent amount that is coming from a place of, I've been thinking of these thoughts all day. I need to address them. I need to really focus on them. But it also sounds like because you are enjoying research and and enjoying kind of that process that there is some of that that might also be proactive as you're thinking and and, and some of your job, you and I both have jobs that are highly reactive. Um, A lot of the way that we interact with our students um, is something has happened. So we are then put in a position of trying to address what has happened. But both of us try to be also very proactive in our job, both with, um, you know, presentations and workshops and classes and groups and, and all of those types of things. And I'm not a counselor. I work in student conduct. But it is, um, it's similar in that vein of like, it, it being a counselor is also very reactive because I've said before, the goal is for none of us to have jobs, right? Is, is for, for people like you and I to, to not have jobs because people are able to, to do this and they have the mechanisms to be able to do it. Um, in my personal case, that means that students are behaving and they're not, you know, not behaving. Um, so, but I, I say all of that to say, Do you feel like the majority of your research, and specifically the research that is bringing you that joy, that bliss, is that coming? Is that proactive? Is it reactive? Is it both? Is it just whatever the situation calls for? What does that look like for you?
1: Um, I think it's both and kind of depends on like what this situation is. Um, Usually it comes from like an ooh shiny moment of, you know, this is something that. Um, either you and I have been talking about, or just comes up in conversation, and I go, "Ooh, I want to know more about that." And so, you know, I'll go to um, various different like resources um, for that, and then, you know, I mentioned I kind of end up in a rabbit hole of, um, you know, when I'm looking up information um, to get more things, and I may end up on like thirty different stories from that. Um, Or something totally different. But, you know, sometimes it's reactive of, you know, we had this situation. um, You know, we have an older kid um, who's doing the adult thing, and we didn't really do the toddler stuff with him um, or the little kid stuff with him. And so we don't really know that aspect of parenting. And so um, when one of the children has an issue, like yelling, um, that we're trying to deal with, like, that is a reactive, you know, kind of research, and how do I do that, um, I think all of parenting is something that I really do a lot of research on, because I'm really, you know, I really want to do that, air quotes, the right way, um, with, you know, the kiddos and parenting, so I do a lot of, um, research on that, both proactive and reactive, um, and like I said, a lot of that is, like, I just feel like I need to, have an answer or know something.
0: When did you make the connection that research, figuring out answers, knowing all the answers was a way that your anxiety was diminishing? How how did you figure out that that is a way that you could turn what was dominating your life in a lot of ways into something that could be um positive or or coped with or even blissful.
1: Um well, I don't think I really made the connection that like I was doing it like purposefully or like as an enjoyable um, outlet until we were talking about like the podcast and what we were gonna do for it because you know, I'd done the whole like, well, if you're gonna do a podcast, then you have to bring me on it. And you said that was fine. And then my immediate thought was like, oh shit, what brings me bliss? Um, And then, you know, like we talked about like research and stuff. And I realized like I have been doing that, um, you know, for as long as I um, can remember. And especially like for as long as like Internet has been like super accessible. Um, You know, like I don't feel like I was doing that in, um, you know, like high school and things when we were still like doing the really awful like dial up and your computer was you know, in a spot in the house, and, you know, it messed with the phone lines, and, like, (laughs) you know, I wasn't doing it then, um, but thinking about, you know, like, Wi-Fi and, like, things like that, and, um, you know, like, as I got my own internet and things like that, like, that is, you know, just something that I've just been, like, doing for a really long time, Um, You know, like I used to research like what phone was I getting before, you know, I had an iPhone and like that's just what I get all the time now. It's just a matter of like, do I want the really obnoxiously big one um, or not? And just kind of connecting the pieces of like, oh, I do that because it makes me feel better. Um, And realizing, you know, that like, you know, doing that does bring me a lot of comfort um, and for me, like that is is bliss. Um, you know, I think a lot of people like do um, activities because it really does like truly bring them like joy and enjoyment. And for me, like I just want to feel like quieted. Like I just want to feel some like peace or calm. Like I don't I don't need joy. Like that's lovely, and I do feel that often. And like the kids bring me lots of joy, you know, our life together to get all super mushy, like, brings me joy, but, like, that, like, I want to find, like, calm, and so, like, that's where that, um, comes, you know, for me, and, like, when we were talking about, like, what brings you bliss, like, that's where it kind of came from, is, like, having that, like, quiet in my life is really, like, what I, what I dig.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you there, and I think to your point, when I think of what bliss means, the calmness is a part of that. It, like, pure joy to me has, and maybe other people don't feel this way. If you feel differently, please feel free to let me know, and that's okay. Um, But I would say that for me, when I'm feeling true bliss, true joy, there is a calmness with that, because it's not... Um, You know, I'm not a very, like, excitable person. So, like, that's not joy for me necessarily to be, like, super riled up or, or things like that. And it sounds like that's really similar for you, that it's really that kind of serenity. And I feel like bliss and serenity are kind of hand in hand. We talked last week on the pod with um, Ezra, who is our son, um, and we talked about... Um, we've talked about cooking, and to me, cooking does bring me that serenity, more often than not. There are times where it doesn't, but more often than not, um, that is something that brings me that, and that to me is is blissful. Um, so when we talk about that, I think it actually fits perfectly with what you're talking about with research, that this idea of kind of putting the puzzle pieces together, and when the puzzle is completed, it just feels calm it feels like i don't have to like put these pieces together anymore because i have enough knowledge i have enough information to quiet all of that down i want to ask this feels like a loaded question i apologize for that but is there a a general time frame for you to to feel that calmness before something else takes over
1: You mean like before the anxiety kicks back in?
0: Yeah, before you're thinking about something else again or the next thing or you're needing, you feel like there's a need to seek out something else. Is there, like, are you able to enjoy the quiet?
1: I mean, the honest answer to that is like, there's really not a whole lot of downtime that i mean either it's you know it's time to go to sleep because i got to get up the next morning for work or you know there's a screaming toddler or a hungry baby um or just like life that needs to be dealt with like i don't feel like there's a whole lot of like um you know time between like the calm and feeling peaceful and like the next thing that's gonna send the anxiety into like overdrive and that overthinking um and like this is gonna sound terrible but like that's the way that I've operated for so long that like that's not weird for me or like you know that's just kind of how things go like obviously like I have my like times where things get like really difficult and get to a tipping point um it's not like it's one of those things that you just like deal with and it's never um like not an issue right like that it doesn't um bubble over but it's you know I kind of have that like it's just a matter of time before like the next thing and like it's not all bad like I know like talking about it it just sounds like acne all the time um and that's not like that's just how my brain like processes things so I think some of those things is like a personality thing like I You know am a very thoughtful person and i think of things like super deeply so i think um you know like having anxiety like kind of kicks that into um overdrive a little bit um and you know also some of that is it's it just is what it is at this point you know um but i have like learned to recognize that like i am overthinking and having that kind of thought process
0: I appreciate you saying that and I think um you I think you probably caught yourself just now because it's it then it becomes you know part of that it's it's part of our conversation right now right you talked about at the very beginning of our conversation having anxiety just doing this but even you kind of talking about your anxiety has has put you in a place where you're overthinking your answers right now right like as you're saying them and i can see that and i and i don't i'm not trying to call you out in a way that's like like provocative or whatever but only to say that to your point it it's just how you operate and it works for you and you've done things to mitigate the power that it has over you you have identified now that If I can be prepared, if I can go into a situation with as much preparation as possible, I still may feel some anxiety over it because I can't always control the outcome. But I'm going to be as prepared as possible so that I know if something starts to go south, I can either save it or I know what the general reaction is going to be. Does that fit with kind of what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I think that's you know pretty accurate, and I've started to you know learn how to deal with the like I can only control myself, and um, a lot of that like catastrophizing and things that I do is uh, you know uh, is about like other people, right? And like I can't control what other people are gonna say or what their reactions are gonna be, Um, you know. And I can kind of prepare worst case scenario, and it's usually not that bad um, when it happens. So you know when it is their reaction is better than what my worst case scenario is it's easier to um you know deal with and it's kind of a relief when it's not that um so yeah i think i think that's that's right
0: thank you i i appreciate that um and i i appreciate you you know, doing this because I know that it was, to use the term, causing you some anxiety, not just doing it, but trying to figure out what does bring me joy, what does bring me into a state of even that serenity, right? Um, and I, I want to be careful with, with how I say this. I, I don't think that your default is... I think that you are probably harder on yourself about what your default is in terms of it feeling like it's negative or whatever. And I think that's more that your default is constantly thinking, like constantly in that kind of thought process mode, because you're in that thought process mode, then it lends itself to overthinking and then it kind of starts that spiral. Right. But I also want to point like the other day you said, hey, I'm feeling really good today. Like I woke up in a really good mood and that was really foreign to you. Like, that was not something that normally happens. Um, and not to say that I think that that al- always translates into how you interact, because I think you are good at... Um, I-, I think... I, I think maybe it feels like it's coming across as masking and I don't think that it is. I think that you are good at compartmentalizing and saying, no, I need to focus, like when you're at work, you said work is generally where your anxiety maybe is lessened. And part of that is because you are, again, taking on issues that others are facing, right? And you're able to focus on those and it's like finding solutions to those or, or just hearing people out or whatever the, the, the case may be. It's not always about finding solutions, right? Like it's not always, It, it sometimes it's just, someone to listen to sometimes it's sometimes it's advice sometimes it's there's a lot of different things that, that go into play with your specific job. But I think that that's not a that doesn't mean that you're faking it or that doesn't mean that you're you know not um, being authentic. I think you are being authentic. Um, but I do think that because of the constant thought process like the cogs are always turning, that you know you, also overthought just feeling good about the day right
1: (laughs) yeah um I remember um (laughs) that conversation and just being like and I think that was it right like I just I woke up and was playing with the baby and was feeling really good and it wasn't a like um You know doing those things because that's what I needed to do or is like part of the routine like I was genuinely enjoying um the moment and wasn't thinking about like the next thing or like what else was going on and wasn't thinking about overthinking or you know like everything else and kind of that um that process that I you know kind of verbalized earlier it was really just like this moment is really like nice and fun and like um, you know, that is kind of a foreign um, experience for me because I, I really do have that, like, what is next and what's the next thing that I need to think about or worry about or, you know, be on top of because, you know, being surprised and caught off guard is, like, um, really difficult for me um, to deal with. So, yeah, like, this past weekend was great because I had a genuine, like, moment of, this is awesome and I'm just gonna you know I did overthink it a little bit but you know I tried to really embrace the like this is okay
0: yeah and and I uh I can certainly appreciate like that and, and I agree like I think that you did a good job of just kind of settling back into the moment and I thought that that was great um as we're kind of wrapping up here I just want to ask um similar to what we did last week um if you have any suggestions for people, um, obviously everyone's going to experience anxiety in a different way. It's not, uh, I think, as ubiquitous as like cooking was, right? Um, but I'm curious if you have suggestions for people who might be uh, struggling with kind of finding ways to cope, but also like how do you f- you you how do you find bliss in those um, moments where you are coping, and whether that's research or whether that's whatever painting or whatever um you know do you have any strategies or any advice that you want to share in terms of how people can find bliss through working through their anxiety
1: um you know for me i think one of the big things is um you know even though we talk about mental health and things um more than maybe we did you know 20 or 30 years ago i think um, it's really helpful to find people that you can, um, talk to about what's going on, um, or even the things that bring you joy. Cause you know, it's, um, I think it's really difficult sometimes to share those things and to feel, um, comforted by those things. You know, I, I think mine's a little, um, out there in the, like, I like to research things because it calms my anxiety and makes me feel better. Um, but you know, I have someone that I can talk to about those things, or I have other people that can relate to that, and so that feels, um, you know, like it kind of normalizes it and makes it, you know, not so difficult. I think, um, you know, finding those people that you can talk to in an authentic way about like anxiety and it being difficult, or um, you know, needing to find some calm. In that is always something that I would recommend. Um, You know, we talked about it earlier, like, medication is not for everybody. And, like, that's cool. And therapy is not for everybody, even though I think, you know, people should give it a shot. Um, Because just talking, like, through some of those things can be really um, helpful. But, I, you know, just trying to find, like, what works for you. Um, And, like, realizing that, like, what works for you doesn't have to work. everybody else I know a lot of people like to like meditate or exercise um you know or do those other kinds of things I don't because I overthink those things like when I'm exercising like am I doing it the right way or um how do I look while I'm doing this even when I'm doing it by myself I have those thoughts when people can't see me um so like just really trying to embrace those things that do like bring you like comfort and joy even if they're a little um, you know out there and a little bit different than the things that like other people um, do like I research is my hobby like I will research about hobbies and try to be like that looks cool but then I don't actually do that thing because what I like is learning about things
0: and I think that's great I think that that's like you said maybe it doesn't feel which again, I think is you putting a little bit of judgment on yourself. Maybe it doesn't feel normal, quote unquote, to like for that to be your bliss. But I think, again, if it's bringing you serenity, if it's bringing you joy, that's what this is all about. That's why I started this, was to find out what is bringing people joy, to help promote that with other people, and to really do a deep dive into why it works for some people. And I think you've done a good job of outlining that, research for you is crucial um to really how you just go about your daily life um but it does provide you a sense of that serenity and i think that that's awesome um thank you so much um for pushing through (laughs) and for um being a guest on what's your bliss um is there not that you have a lot of stuff necessarily to promote but is there anything that you want to promote (laughs) Long pause.
1: <laughs> I like. I panicked because I don't have. I don't have anything to prove but I do like just want to like plug for like mental health and taking care of yourself, and also um, something that I am really working on is just being more kind um, to myself, um, and would like to put that out there for other people of like it's okay to be kind to yourself and you probably need it a little bit more than um you know the people that you invest in taking care of um so you know make time for that thing that brings you brings you joy and brings you some bliss and makes your life a little bit better
0: I think that's very well said and yes, be kind to yourselves, Uh, always be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. That's the name of the game here at What's Your Bliss. Um, Thank you again for joining me, uh, Tiffany, I really appreciate it. we're going to close out today's episode, um, but remember that you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Your Pod, and you can also uh, email us at podcast at gmail.com, and you can find all the links to all of the places where you can listen to this fine podcast at anythingbutcredible.com. Thank you so much uh, for joining today. Thank you so much, listeners, for listening today, and have a blissful and wonderful rest of your week.